Good morning. Good to be with you all this new year. Open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Well, he is huddled over a small wooden desk. Ink blotches his fingers and a shirt sleeve. It's winter and it's cold outside. It's the winter of 1723. It's cold outside, but he is warm inside. His heart burns with earnestness for what he is writing at that old wooden desk. The candles are, are quietly smoking, giving some dim illumination as he writes his hopes and his desires and his dreams and his ambitions. Stuff Sean was just praying about. To know Christ more. If only I can know Christ more. How can I serve him more? How can I follow him better? How can I put sin to death so that I can, so that I can taste and see that the Lord is good? The days of his Writing are long gone now. He wrote, as I said, in 1723. It was actually the closing days of 1722 through the month of December and into the first few days of 1723. His name was Jonathan Edwards. He was writing his resolutions. And the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards have been read and studied by Christians for the past 300 years. And what is amazing to me is that it has been for the last exactly 300 years because it was the end of 1722 and the beginning of 1723 that he sat and penned his resolution got a poster of his resolution he had a few of them And if you get a chance to look at this, you'll be able to see that he added to them throughout the, the remainder of the year as thoughts came to his mind of what would it look like for me to live resolved to follow after Christ. This was a young Jonathan Edwards who wrote this. He was in his 20s. If you want to know the rest of the story, as they say, he went on to become the greatest English-speaking theologian to ever live. And while a great deal of that had to do with the gifts God gave him, a great deal of that had to do with how he used them and how he lived resolved. You might know that here at Mercy Hill, we have an affection for Jonathan Edwards. We have but one room with a name on it. It is the Edwards Room. Uh, and this is going to go up in the Edwards Room at some point. But I wanted it to be in here so that you guys could see it and, and look at it. By the way, we've got copies of his resolutions at the Resource Center you want to pick those up after this morning's meeting. Let me ask you, are you resolved? Are you resolved to follow Christ? Come what may, I will be resolved to follow him. That I may know him more at the end of 2023 than I knew him at the beginning of 2023. Now listen, I know if you're a believer, you have a desire to know Christ more. That's what it is to be a believer. The Lord put that in you. 
But have you have you taken that desire and have you added to it your resolution to live in such a way that you may know him more than you know him today? Have you resolved to know him and love him and serve him and follow him? I believe this is a great question for us to ask on January 1st, 300 years after 1723. And where it takes our text, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And if I was to give you a recommended verse for the year, it would be these two verses together. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. A wonderful, rich two verses. The follow along with me as I read from God's word. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 12. Therefore... My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God's word. We're going to consider this passage under two headings this morning, our work and God's work. Our work and God's work. Our work is clear enough to see as it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's immediately clear that we're face to face with a command from the Lord. This is not a, a suggestion, a notion, a good idea. This is a command from the Lord. But what might not be quite so clear is what is the command? What does it mean? Work out your own salvation. It might be easy for us to think that the passage is talking about how to get saved. Work hard to get saved. But if we were to read it that way, we would be reading opposite the direction that the text intends. We would be in, in error. This is not a text about how to get saved. It would also be easy for us to think that this is something like, how do you stay saved then? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Kind of, maybe you're going to lose your salvation, so you better have some fear and trembling about that. But again, we would be missing the mark if that's what we thought, because this is not a passage about how to stay saved either. It's not a passage about how to get saved. It's not a passage about how to stay saved. The concern of the passage is how shall we live when we are saved, what does it look like to live out this wonderful salvation that's been given to us through Jesus Christ that we did nothing to earn? We find ourselves the inheritors of grace, a grace that we did nothing for and he did everything for. What's it look like to live in light of that? The greatest of all gifts. That's what this question, this passage is talking about. So working out our salvation means putting feet to faith. It, it, it means taking a, the gospel which has saved us and allowing it to permeate to all the corners of our life, to the, to the nooks and the crannies, to, to, to be about living in light of what God 
has done for us. Uh, a word that we probably don't like very much, but it's true, and it's synonymous with this, is obedience. We could say it's obedience to Christ. That's what it means. To, to work out our salvation in fear and trembling is to walk in obedience. And I say that because verse 12 uses that word already once. As Paul writes, I'm going to read again. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So working out salvation and their obedience are synonymous with each other. Their, their obedience to the word of Christ that had come through Paul. He said, this, this is the faith that's been given you. Now walk this out. Live this out. That obedience is this working out salvation with fear and trembling. I want to focus for a moment on the word work. Work, it implies that we will labor, that we will strive, that we will live resolved, that we're not going to simply allow circumstances to push us this way and that, but that we have an objective towards which we are laboring and trying to get. So how should we live as believers? We, we should live resolved. To obey Christ. What's that look like in 2023? What's that look like for you, for your family, for your friends, for your caregivers? What does that look like as we step into this new year? How shall we live for God? I'm grateful for God's grace. I'm grateful for all that God did in 2022. I know that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. I also know I'm not apart from Christ. And I'm not called to do nothing. That we're called to something. To what are we called? As I looked through Edward's resolutions, as I was preparing for this, I actually took his resolutions and modernized them a bit. And I did this for us, because I found uh, that when he wrote 300 years ago, it sounded a little bit like he wrote it 300 years ago. And then that can be a bit of a hurdle towards accessing what he was really trying to say. So I took it and wrote it in a bit more, I hope, easy for us to digest wording. And honestly, also wording that was more distinctly tied to the cross, to the gospel, than he felt the need to do. So those are going to be passed out at the end of the sermon this morning. I have just about as many as Edwards. I'm just warning you. Um, so there's a few pages, but it would, it would be a wonderful read and a wonderful study throughout the book of January to consider these resolutions. I just want to focus on one, though, this morning. One, one resolution, and if you're going to write anything down, aside from Scripture, write this down. All of his resolutions begin with the word resolved. So we're keeping with that. Resolved. Resolved to do all that I may know Christ more tomorrow than I do today. Resolved. That I may do all 
that I may know Christ more tomorrow than I do today. This is a resolution which must and does resonate with every follower of Christ. Because every follower of Christ has tasted of the goodness of God and desires more of the goodness of God. And if that desire in and of itself is weak in your heart this morning, then start right there. Lord, fuel my desire for you. That I, that I would long for you more than I even do. Paul desired Christ. Paul who wrote this. Paul who wrote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He went on to write, whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I couldn't be talking to you about something more significant this morning. The surpassing work of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Here is a promise that a preacher cannot exaggerate. I'm on really good footing here. What if it were true that the very best thing you could ever have is a closer walk with Christ. What if that were true? It is. What's it look like to resolve to be after that this year? I can, I can promise you that every effort spent to knowing him more will be well worth your time. In fact, I can promise you no other effort will be worth your time like this of knowing Christ Jesus your Lord. So friend, resolve to know Christ more. The end of 2023 than here at the beginning. I'm going to trust that you're with me on that. I'm going to trust that that is a resolution, that you're adopting that resolution. Have you adopted that resolution? Are you resolved to do that this year? If so, good and amen, but let me say, a resolution is not a plan. Resolution's important. It's the starting point. You don't start with a plan. You start with where we're going and why are we going there. Resolve to know Christ more this year than at, than at any other time. But what's the plan to get there? And so may I suggest, friends, as a church and for you, a very simple and I would even say obvious way for us to grow closer to Christ this year. Spend time here. Spend time this year in this book. There is a straight line between time in the Word and time with Jesus. Between knowledge of the Word and knowledge of the Savior. Would you know Him more? Find Him here. Find Him here. How often, I feel this too, how often I, I can be tempted to approach the Word with the kind of question, how much time do I need to spend? If I were ever 
to approach my wife with that question, we would be in trouble. How much time do I need to spend with her to have a good relationship? That is not a question that love asks. Love turns from that question. And, and love is motivated by a different question. How can I get more time? How can I get more time? Friend, how can you get more time in God's word this year? So that you may know Christ more this year. How, how can you get more time? And this is where... Up to now, I trust we could all adopt this as our resolution. And we could all adopt as a general plan, let's get more time in God's word. But you're going to need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What's it look like for you to get time in his word this year? To make that a high priority. To spend lavish time with the Lord. That should look like reading his word. should look like meditating on his word. Do you know what meditating on his word means? You go back and you think about what you read. Kind of fancy word. means we're, we're thinking about, we're chewing on. Okay, what did that mean? What did that say? What should I do because of that? There's a, there's a reading, there's a meditating, there's a memorizing of God's word. When was the last time you memorized a new verse, one verse? What would it look like this year to do that? To get little note cards. You know what I'm talking about. They still sell them. Even though everybody uses Quizlet. You still get note cards. And you can still write a reference on the front. And a verse on the back. And put it in your pocket. And every time you pull out your wallet. You're reminded. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if you're like me. You're going to need to keep it in your back pocket. For far longer than you were thinking in order to actually get it to stick in your head. That's the work of memorizing God's work, of getting to know it better, of working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, by listening to God's word as you travel, getting up 30 minutes earlier in the morning that you could spend time in it, meditating on it, talking about it with your friends, your spouse, applying it together with your care group. Let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling and resolve to do all that we may know Christ more tomorrow than we know him today. So to do all, that's a kind of big word. You start breaking down these resolutions and you go, whoa, that's, that's all encompassing. That's, that's not a minimalistic kind of thing. I, I'm called to strive and to do work and to strain that by the grace of God, I may know Christ more. So, friend, this year, take and read, take and eat, take and memorize, take and apply. So let's say you're there with me. Let me encourage you this week, okay? Just this week. It's the week of January 1, right? This week, take some time to write down your plan. All right? Go from thinking, listening. It's easy to listen, and it's easy to even give mental assent, like, yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm going to do that. We encourage you, write it down. What's the Lord calling you to do? 
that you could then work it out. Write it down, and once you've written it down, share it with your spouse or with, with a friend. T take it to care group and ask, ask somebody in care group, can you hold me accountable to this? A plan that we don't write down has the great possibility of being rather squishy and rather forgettable, which in essence is not a plan. Write down, what's the Lord calling you to do? Write that down, it can be very simple. I'm gonna to try to read through the Bible this year. I'm gonna to try to study with this book of the Bible this year. I'm gonna memorize these things, whatever it is. Write that down, share it with somebody this week. If we could put this book, which is at the center of our pulpit, it would be the center of our corporate life as a church and the center of our individual lives. We follow Christ together. Well, we said this morning that we would cover this under two headings, and we've done one of them, our work. Our work. We're going to talk about our work and the second heading, God's work. God's work. Let's read this again. The advantage of a short passage, you can read the whole thing couple times. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. There are two places in here where God is at work. One place where we're at work. We are called to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But there are two places that God is at work, and we must not miss those. And the first would be very easy to miss because it's one word. It's the first word. It's the word, therefore. This is the disadvantage, by the way, of jumping into the middle of Philippians one Sunday. Because we don't have the context with us as we jump in, and we need it. Because everything God says in verse 12 flows out of that one word, therefore. It means... In light of all I just said, do this. In light of all I just said, work out your own salvation with fear and joy. In light of what? We are handicapped right now because we don't know what he's referencing. So I want to go back for a moment and see together what he's referencing. A passage which I trust is familiar to you in one way or another. I'm going to go up and just read from verse 5 down through 11. Follow along if you would. The Philippians 2 verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with your children. If you missed all that, this was Jesus emptying himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in human form, going to his death, even death on a cross for the sake of his people, and then being exalted at God's right hand. Let me, let me summarize 
verse 5 through 11 in two words. The gospel. The person and work of Christ. Christ came to save sinners. He emptied himself to do so. And now he is exalted at the Father's right hand. Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, here's the wrong equation. You have to get to God. Therefore, get to work. That's every religion apart from truth. Every religion apart from Christianity. You have to get to God, therefore get to work. The calculus of Christianity is God has saved you. Christ has been at work for you and in you. So in response to that, live your life for him. Because he worked, you work. Because, because of his saving work and his sacrificial work and his once for all work, we then, our work is a response to what he has done. The work of the Christian is always a response to the work of the Savior. That's the order. Always the order. Savior worked, therefore we are called to work as well. And so we see the first of two ways that God works in this passage. And the first is we are saved by his work and not ours. Second, the end of verse 12, beginning of verse 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God works in you. Oh, now's the time to take the backpack off a bit. This is good news. What I'm not telling you this morning is you have to figure out a way to change yourself. You have to figure out a way to be more holy. You have to do the hard work of heart transformation. No. We work. Yes, we're called to work. But we're called to work trusting in the work of God. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So it's God who's at work in us in two ways, to will and to work. For his good pleasure. What does this mean? It, it means that the work of God in you affects us at the level of our will. So will at the level of our desires, at the level of our affections. God's, it's God's work to change our heart. It's God's work to give us a, more of a hunger after Christ. It's God's work to, to help us to hate sin more and love Christ more. That's the work of God at the desire level of our heart. God's at work to will and to do within us. So when we, when we step out and say, I want to know Christ more, that desire, I can tell you where that came from. That came from the Lord. And when we step out to do it, where does the strength to do it come from? That comes from God as well because he is at work in us to will and to do He's at work in us, giving us the desire to follow Christ and the ability to follow Christ. None of it comes from us. And so, when he tells us, get to work, we can work excitedly 
and expectantly. And we don't have to look at ourselves and say, yeah, but Ken, you don't understand how much I failed in 2022. You don't know how many decades I've been following the Lord, how little progress I've seen. Friend, the Christian's eyes, as we, as we work, our eyes can't be on our work. They have to be on his work, or you're going to run out of gas. You're going to run out of steam. You're going to run out of hope. Our hope's not our work. Our hope's not our resolutions. Our hope's not our decision to try harder. Our hope is in him. It is our God who's at work in us. When's he at work? He's at work, well, all the time, but he's specifically at work in this passage as we work. And so this is a very different kind of resolution than the world knows anything about. You know, most of our neighbors have New Year's resolutions this morning. Most of them will be gone by tomorrow morning, but you know what I'm saying. Most, most people have resolutions in our culture these days. And the only place that we can look if we're not saved for strength is self. Just pick yourself up and try harder in 23 than you did in 22. That's, that can tickle our ears. That can sound good. But if you've been around the block a few times, it starts to get old. You know? I just don't know about that, Ken. Christian resolution is different. We resolve to work not because we trust our work, because we trust that Christ is going to be at work. We resolve to work because we say, wow, he must have put this desire in me. This desire to know Christ more, that comes from Christ. And so as I start to take steps, he's going to meet me in this. This is wonderful, wonderful news. As we work, he works as well. So what if you trusted God to change you this year? He said, God actually has a plan for me to know Christ more. How hard would you work for it then? If you actually believed and thought, God's going to be at work in me this year. See, all, we can't do any of the hard stuff, right? Like, we don't do the hard work. We don't do the transformation. Like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go buy some note cards at CVS and get a pencil and write down a reference. And you're going to flip it over and you're going, to, you're going to write out a verse or two and you're going to put it in your pocket and you're going to be reminded, uh, you know, a couple hundred times to, to read over it until it's in your head. And this is like very ordinary type stuff. This is not life transforming things. Let me just tell you, you cannot transform your life, but let me tell you, God can. And he can take these little things that we do and light them on fire by his Holy Spirit. So don't look at, it's just a note card. Of course it's just a note card. But it's God who works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. So get a note card and learn his word and give, give the Holy Spirit that fuel to use to begin transforming you by his word. We do the little stuff. He does the big stuff. So are you resolved this year? Resolved to follow him. Resolved to know Christ more at the end of the year than you do right now. May the Lord enable us 
to see his face shining out from these pages. This is where he is. May the Lord enable us to know him more through his word. Worship team, come on up.